As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. right to it. Lisa Brownitz and Tom Key with an important conversation on her automobile company, General Motors, but Mary Barra and much more uh, this morning, the chair, the chief executive officer of GM. Mary, you came out of General Motors Institute when we were kids in the Midwest. That was the cool school. And then you got the job in the Midwest, folks, a co-op job at GM. You've been doing this a long time. I want you to talk now about the manufacturing quality of Barra's General Motors going back to 1937 and that classic movie on GM tolerances versus what we see from, for example, Tesla. How are GM cars built better than what Elon Musk is doing? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on uh, today, so thanks so much. And before I dive into quality, I do want to thank the entire General Motors team, all of our stakeholders and partners for, you know, really working hard to deliver such a strong first quarter. You know, we continue the momentum on our EV and AV journey. And quality is one important story for that because we have a very uh, you know, demonstrated quality system with our global manufacturing system. And uh, I was just at the Spring Hill plant last week looking at the Cadillac right. Lyric, and the vehicle is just but building perfectly. What people so want to know, Ms. Barr, I don't mean to interrupt, but what people want to know is do you have demonstrable evidence yet that people will move away from Tesla towards other electric vehicles because of manufacturing integrity? Have you seen that in the research? Well, we do know from uh, the, the customers that buy our Bolt EV and EUV, they're some of the most satisfied customers of any in industry. I can also tell you with our reservations for the Silverado EV, about 60% are new to GM and about that are coming from East and West Coast uh, where we haven't sold as many vehicles. So uh, I think those are early indicators that yes, we, are gonna, we have great products right now and the customers have responded and the interest in whether it's the Hummer EV. Uh, there you Go. Uh, whether it's the Lyric, um, they're, they're coming. Yeah. And Lisa, they're very Lisa's got in an order on the Hummer EV. Lisa, pick it up. Mary, I do not have an order in the Humvee, uh, but perhaps if there was space uh, in New York City, perhaps. I do wonder, uh, when you talked about this on the call that you're going to make, you expect to make 25 to 30 percent more vehicles this year than last year. How much does that rely on a reopening in China and a continuing momentum in the U.S. economy? 
Well, um, definitely from a wholesale perspective, we see strength with the consumer, especially for GM products. We're you know, watching this very carefully with uh, inflation and with uh, interest rates. But again, uh, when we deliver uh, vehicles to plants, most of them are either sold or are sold uh, very, very quickly. For instance, in trucks in the U.S., we have less than 12 days uh, supply, which is extremely low when you look at the strength of our truck, our, our truck franchise. So uh, we're seeing strong demand. Um, we think there's a lot of pent-up demand uh, from the consumer, but we're watching it very, very carefully. As it relates to China, we are seeing, you know, what we think are green shoots with the government indicating cases are coming down. And, uh, you know, so far it's been minimal uh, minimal uh, impact. And we see if, if what's happening now continues that uh, we should be able to manage through from a supply chain perspective. So, again, a lot of moving pieces, but we're very optimistic and, and uh, looking forward to being able to wholesale, you know, 25 to 30 percent more vehicles this year. Mary, have you shifted any of your supply chain dynamics out of China in response to the rolling lockdowns that we've seen over the past few years? Well, if you, you know, when you look at the supply chain, um, it's a very complex supply chain. And we are looking uh, with the lessons learned from the semiconductor, from COVID, of how do we need to strengthen our supply chain, make it more resilient. And uh, so there are steps being taken, you know, on balance as we look at what is the way to make sure we aren't constrained like we have been for the last, you know, year, year and a half. Mary, I want to go all Kettering on you, the new General Motors Institute. You go in there and you got all sorts of courses. You took them, electrical engineering, jewel kilowatt hours. Our David Welch in Detroit wants to know your battery trend in physics in kilowatt hours versus what others, including Tesla, are doing. The heart of the matter is you got to build a a better battery. I need an update. Well, you know, we think we're very competitive uh, right now with the batteries that we have. And we actually think with the chemistry that we're launching now with Ultium, we're in a leadership position. It's 40 percent less expensive. Um, you know, uh, the Silverado that we'll be launching will have 400 miles of range. And that's, you know, less than a year away. So we think we're in a leading position with our battery chemistry technology. And, you know, it, and we're not stopping. We have more work. Uh, we're working not only with LG, but with Solid Energy Solutions and other partners, um, you know, I've been in meetings, uh, several meetings just in the last uh, several weeks of talking to, you know, new battery um, uh, battery makers, because we want to make sure that we have the best technology from an energy density, efficiency, cost perspective. And the beauty of our Ultium platform that is the foundation for the Hummer and for the Lyric and all of our vehicles going forward uh, from an EV perspective is that it's chemistry agnostic. So as we see opportunity to uh, use a new and validated chemistry, we can do that with uh, minimal disruption. Before we let you go, Mary, I do wonder whether you see an opening for General Motors to gain a competitive advantage while Tesla is dealing with some of the drama around Elon Musk's uh, bid for Twitter. Is this actually an opportunity or is it more complication around the EV space? Well, you know, when we look at it, we're focused on our plan of executing. You know, General Motors has a, a, today, we offer a full portfolio for all customers. Uh, When you look at what we're going to have from a Chevy perspective, from a GMC perspective, but do you have, but Mary, sorry to to cut you off, but do you have a response to the Twitter uh, issue and sort of Elon Musk's bid there? Uh, actually, no. I mean, as a company, you know, we're we're going to wait and see if what it mm-hmm. change, what are the dynamics that change as it relates. But uh, right now, we're focused on our EV execution, and I don't think uh, it right. really plays into it. Mary, I'm running out of time. Very quickly here, what do you see on the wage dynamic at your acclaimed factories? What do you see in terms of wage inflation for the next 12 months? 
Uh, you know, we are seeing, uh, first of all, you know, we are very proud that we have, uh, you know, very competitive wages and, uh, you know, from a, from a, a GM perspective in our facilities, um, you know, that's, we built the middle class from an automotive perspective, and so we're very proud of that. As we bring new people in, um, you know, we're evaluating what it's going to take to make sure that mm -hmm. uh, we get people into our factories. So it, it varies right. by country, but for the most part, it's not uh, uh, it's not causing us an issue right now. Mary, I got to come to Detroit, and I got to see the Detroit Tigers play. That's all there is to it. I got eight more questions. Mary Barra, thank you so much, General Motors Chair, Chief Executive Officer. There, nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more, Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline, it's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Joining us now, a gentleman that nailed Shakespeare in school, Andrew Slamming joins us, Senior Portfolio Manager at Morgan Stanley. I love, 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 Andrew, the adult note where you say, do your research, do your homework, and look out for maximum growth scare. What does a maximum growth scare look like? Uh, I, think, I think the market will end up near 5,000 at year end, but I suspect at some point, the anxiety around the Fed will lead to the, you know, a greater scare of recession. And I think we could see the S&P, you know, 3,800 uh, would be down, to, you know, 20 percent from the peaks. And I think that's doable the first half of this year. My argument has been this year is a battleground between uh, Fed pivoting, a negative, and the positive, that continuation of good corporate fundamentals. It'll lead to a subpar year, but that's off 47.78, which is where we began the year. And when the, when the S&P's down at the 4,000 level, the returns in the year for the rest of the year could be very, very attractive. And I think the low will be on maximum 
growth scare that the world is, you know, the world is ending. And that reminds me very much of 2011, where we had a peak drop decline at 19%. Fundamentals did not evaporate, and the market came roaring back and was back to an all-time high in four months. I think that's the scenario that we're looking at. But right now, we're in the negative side of that. I think it will turn more positive in the second half of the year. How do you distinguish sectors? I mean, right now, we're in the heart of big, big tech, and they're making big, big profit. And I understand there's nuances, and they go down X percent or that. But how do you take what is 20, 23 percent of SPX on their way to being 30 percent? How do you handle them versus the other sectors? Yeah, I think this is – okay, so this is – I'm kind of shifting my tune here, which is – uh, we bought a number of defensive stocks. Being a long equity manager, I've got to stay invested. We we bought a number of defensive areas going into the year. Uh, we're underway tech. But what we see going on is that quality growth stocks, of which many of these tech stocks are, uh, earning, the ones that are earning money, they've been so hammered that I think you have – it's too late to buy the defensives. You have to arrange a list of companies that you think the valuations have come down enough that you're willing to step in if we see further weakness in the market, which I think we will at some point in the next couple months. And these technology stocks, as well as some of these home-related retailers and uh, companies like that, uh, I think they've been hammered so much that you, that you, those will be the opportunities coming off the rebound in the second half of the year, not the defensives. Andrew, what about the banks? And allow me just to go through the five-day and year-to-date performance because it has been dreadful. Five days down six percent on J.P. Morgan, year-to-date down 22. Citigroup down year-to-date 16.8 percent. Bank of America down 18 percentage points. Andrew, this is going into a rate hiking cycle. What's going on? Yeah. Well, I, I, I would expand, Jonathan, not only that, but I think these regional banks, which are benefiting from a better NIM, I mean, these companies are reporting very good numbers and the stocks are getting hit. So I think it's a story of too much beta, too much risk. The one thing that I don't like about some of the money centers is just their, their exposure to other parts of the world that are harder to handicap. So my view is to, again, look to add positions uh, in the regionals that are benefiting from uh, Fed raising rates and them. But again, I would argue it's a little early. I think you might be a little early. The pain, these, they've gone down a lot, but I wouldn't bottom fish quite yet. I'd wait for the S&P to be down at that. 4,300 before I'd step in. And to be clear, my, my is it was going to come this summer. It seems to be coming sooner than I uh, expected. So another 9% decline to get to that 3,800 point. Do you think yeah. that banks are going to lead it? Is that basically uh, going to be the disproportionate decline? I think banks, I think tech will lead coming out. But it's not going to lead down to 3,800. It's going to, it's going to, it, there's going to be more pain. Andrew, one thing that you said uh, that I loved was, I am not a strategist. I have to put money to work, and I wear my mistakes. What has been your biggest mistake, your bi- biggest misperception heading into this year that you've had to reform for the remainder of 2022? Uh, I think the biggest mistake is that I didn't think, you know, just as Jonathan said, I thought that. 
uh, to marry defensives, that's worked. But to stick with the financials, because I thought they were going to report very good numbers, which they have, and that has not, uh, that's not helped the stocks. The stocks have dropped more than I expected uh, because, you know, again, I thought they would be supported by better earnings, and that's not been the case. Do corporations adapt to all of this, Andrew? I mean, I mean, the one way they adapt is to cut costs. Is that what we don't see out there? Is they're going to come in with a whole new round of cost rationalizations to right-size this? Well, I, I, I think the, the, the answer is that I guess one of the reasons why I'm a little bit more optimistic than some is that I'm out there talking to companies and listening to companies, and I don't see the degree of concern uh, that I do at the strategy level, and I'm watching every week the earning <laughs> consensus estimate for this year continues to go up. And I just want to make sure that's an understood fact, because I don't hear that much. Consensus going up. The other thing that I think is important, and I'm getting to your question, is what we're hearing is a number of companies, a couple of industrial companies yesterday, beat in the first quarter. And they didn't raise guidance, not because they saw big weakness coming, but they just were cautious. Because what's the point of raising guidance at this juncture? So it's possible that if we get through this without a big disaster, you see consensus going up. I think to your point is, it is not unusual in the second or third year coming out of recession to have uh, margins continue to expand. And I think that's what's going on. So I get more comforted when I'm down in the micro talking to companies than when we focus on the macro, the big, big picture. And so I, 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 I look and say it's really not been different than we've seen before, which is the third year coming out of recession. Fundamentals continue to be pretty good. <clears throat> Andrew Sliman, a Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Andrew, great to catch up, buddy. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It is a perfect time after the Secretary of Defense's uh, comments in Europe to speak to Tina Fordham, founder geopolitical strategist at Fordham Global Foresight, but far, far more with a few decades of really legit experience, including public service to the United uh, Kingdom. Tina, I want to go right to it. The first sentence of your note, you say there is a military shift towards Ukraine. How do you ob observe that? Well, I think, um, first of all, I think the um, conflict is tipping toward Ukraine. Uh, there will be some, you know, some setbacks for both sides. But, for example, Ukraine now has more tanks than Russia does in the field. This is remarkable. Of course, it's a combination of tanks they've commandeered from Russia, plus uh, supplies that, that they've got. Um, the information war, the momentum. But you just mentioned uh, the meeting yesterday at the Ramstein Air Base. Forty countries have now come together uh, in, in unity around one really important idea, and that is that Ukraine can't lose this conflict. Tina, if that's really the case, can we view the cutting off of gas supplies to Bulgaria, to Poland, as basically an escalation because Vladimir Putin is getting more desperate if he is on a losing foot? Well, he's going to raise our costs, right, for, um, for uh, pushing back on his military objective. Remember, he got away with Georgia in 2008 and um, Crimea in 2014. He wasn't expecting this resistance, and so he's going to raise the, the costs for us. The problem is for, for Putin is that the combination of those 40 countries coming together with a much more uh, accelerated response to the need to provide arms to Ukraine, plus this move this morning to cut off supplies to Bulgaria and Romania, two EU and NATO member states, if they don't pay in rubles, it's going to accelerate, in my view, European Union resolve to switch away from Russian gas supplies. Germany's been the laggard. Uh, they're starting to see the light or rather respond to the pressure of their fellow member states. So Tina, as you advise companies on how to handle the potential sanctions, the prolonged nature of the conflict, what are you telling them with respect to how this is gonna proceed, how they should hedge, how they should really position to try to get the most advantage ahead of what a lot of people are seeing as prolonged weakness in the Euro region because of that shift that you're talking about that will elevate gas supply, uh, gas prices. Yes, well, it's it's a pretty mixed bag, right? So one of the things is how does it affect kind of classical political risk outcomes like elections? Now, we would have said that the combination of inflation, cost of living increases should have hurt an incumbent like Macron at the polls uh, in, in France. We just had the result, second term and an historic second term. So even in politics, the, the traditional correlations in the data are breaking down. Uh, on the sanctions level, we need to be thinking about a pretty 
pretty long trajectory because so many of the most powerful sanctions that the West can levy against Russia are being held back, particularly in the event of a, an, an unconventional weapons attack. So that is the next thing on uh, my watch list. I think everything is on the table for Putin. Um, all taboos have been broken. Uh, if Russia does cut off gas supplies, of course, to Poland and Bulgaria, it's not a reliable energy supplier. And uh, I think that it's it's days of, of being the supplier of choice to Europe are coming to a close. Tina, in, in the last 10 days, has there been a shift? In, and I mean this in a general way, not a specific allegation. But has there been a shift in the West's timidity to take on Mr. Putin because of fear of greater issues like the proverbial World War III. Has there been a shift? Absolutely. We're coming up to, or we just, I suppose, reached two months since the invasion. That initial kind of reluctance to get involved. Remember, Biden said uh, U.S. soldiers won't be fighting against. I think he would still say that. But what I think has changed, and we heard this in Defense Secretary Austin's remarks, it's going to be about degrading Russia's capacity to inflict this kind of damage against its neighbors. Uh, and that is a massive shift. Tina Fordham of Fordham Global Foresight, thank you for being with us today. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. It's never a trial to speak to Edward Yardeni. He's president of Yardeni Research and has enjoyed corrections in bear markets such as we in are we in now. I know, Ed, it's not 73, 74. But what is it? What is the character of this downdraft? Well, I think the uh, the, the key characteristic here is uh, the stagflationary environment that we've uh, inadvertently walked into. I mean, we've had two years of helicopter money, and that was the, the easy way to deal with the crisis of uh, the pandemic. Uh, but now we're paying the price for it with uh, higher inflation. So I think that's the big difference uh, you know, the, the, the stock market can't have a tapering tantrum here and expect that the Fed's going to respond because inflation is much more severe than the past three um, tapering <clears throat> tantrums. Ed Jardini, how will corporations adjust? We're going to speak to Mari Bari here in a bit of General Motors. And whether it's something as state as autos, something as sexy as Facebook and the rest of it, how do corporations adapt given these economic events? 
Well, look, I, I know there's a lot of concern here that the uh, risks of a recession have increased, and they certainly have increased. In my mind, they've come up from 15% uh, before the war in Ukraine to 30%. Uh, but one of the reasons that I'm not convinced yet that uh, we're going to uh, fall into recession here is uh, the consumer sector is in very good shape. And to your question, the corporate sector is in phenomenally good shape. You know, they, they raised over $2 trillion in the corporate bond market that non-financial corporations have. And uh, they uh, refinanced a tremendous amount of their debt at record low interest rates. So as the Fed's raising interest rates here, there's still plenty of liquidity left over from the past two years of helicopter money. So you said that there's about a 30% chance of recession. It's gone up yeah. since the start of the war in the U.S. and this year, or is that through next year? What's your time frame here? Well, I, I think, you know, if you ask me about Europe, it's more like 50, 60% the way it's going, especially with this uh, latest calamity. For this year? For, for this year, yes. Um, for uh, the 30%, um, I think it's, uh, it's more next year than, than uh, this year. The leading indicators are still at an all-time record high, telling us that um, there's no immediate uh, risk of a, of a recession, you, though the stock market's certainly acting like it. Well, do you, uh, do you agree with Bill Dudley and some others that if this ongoing momentum continues, that it will result in a more a severe shock later on, a more severe crash later on, simply because inflation won't get contained and it will become more entrenched? Not really. I mean, if you look at the history of inflation, it uh, doesn't just keep going up and up and up. It, it's very it's very spiky. Uh, even in 73 and 79, we saw these spikes in inflation and then they moderated. You know, the, the arithmetic of year over year percent changes is that uh, when, when they are increasing at a very rapid rate compared to the past, at some point, the, the arithmetic starts to slow them down. And I think we are going to see some moderation here in consumer durable goods inflation, which has really been the heart of uh, the inflation problem. I think we're satisfying a tremendous amount of uh, pent up demand. Uh, services have been relatively moderate. The, the, the problem is within the services area, the rent inflation for the next two years is going to be going higher. So I think we're looking right. at higher for longer inflation. At a completely unfair question, but I want to synthesize the original Yale University study of fiscal economics, which, folks, was literally a franchise of New Haven for decades. We've got the mother of all fiscal stimuluses, and then we bring it over to the monetary side, almost Milton Friedman-like, to an inflation study. What right. is your perspective of the duration of excess inflation, given the fiscal impulse we've lived? Well, my, my forecast uh, is higher for longer inflation, but that doesn't mean it's not going to come down. It's just going to mean that I kind of seriously, I seriously doubt we're going to see 2% inflation anytime soon again, not in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. Uh, but will it come down to 3 to 4% next year using the consumption deflator? I think so. Is that doable? Uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is critical, yeah. Yardani. This is Olivier Blanchard and Adam Posen. Can this nation, can our viewers and listeners survive a sustained 3.5% inflation? I think uh, we may very well learn to live with it. We've learned to live with COVID. I think we're going to learn to live with 3 to 4% uh, inflation. <clears throat> But it's not necessarily something that's going to persist forever. I mean, I, I that's that's sort of my outlook for next year. And for the fin financial markets, the stock market and the bond market, just seeing a peak in inflation, let's say by the middle of the year, early uh, summer, uh, would be very helpful. 
As we talk about these big macro uh, developments and this idea of the Fed hiking rates, I do go back to this case against Bill Wang of Arcagus and this idea of leverage in the system. And this right. is unique, and obviously he's being accused by the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York of criminal acts. But it does raise a question about what else is out there with respect to leverage, yes. with respect to our visibility. How are hmm. you viewing that in terms of what we can expect in the upcoming months? Well, uh, you know, as, as we all know, the Federal Reserve has so far increased the Fed funds rate by 25 basis points, and we're in the range of 25 to 50 basis points. Uh, and yet the markets are already discounting that uh, there's something is going to break here when the Fed really starts to move more aggressively. And everybody expects that in the early May meeting that the Fed's going to go uh, and, and, and go ahead with a 50 basis point increase. And the, the market's got this jitters like something is going to break. And I see just... I see like $3 trillion of excess liquidity left over from the past two years of uh, helicopter money. Uh, but um, the markets have their own uh, agenda. Well, uh, they don't to me. To take that a step further, Ed, do you think that the safeguards in place to avoid something catastrophic or some sort of systemic meltdown stemming from leverage really are secure enough to prevent yeah. that kind of action that perhaps people are taking the wrong lesson from previous times because yeah. this system is much safer? Is that your interpretation? Well, at the risk of being dead wrong, uh, I, that is my interpretation, that um, the system is uh, more robust. Uh, the banks are in great shape. Uh, corporations are in great shape. Uh, consumers are sitting at a tremendous amount of uh, M2, and most of it is in demand deposits. Uh, look, not everybody's uh, well off and doing uh, well. I mean, clearly, inflation is eating, eroding everybody's uh, purchasing power. But in terms of something breaking in the credit system, I just don't see it. Um, I mean, I'm watching the junk bond uh, yield to see whether that's going to signal some real serious problems. And uh, so far, um, it's pretty calm. Ed, we're going back to Arthur Burns' inflation move, yeah. uh, rather uh, rate moves, 50 beeps. Some people talk 75 beeps as well. Did right. that work out the last time? Well, um, the, the, the Burns environment, of course, uh, is what we go to to look at uh, the, the Fed raising interest rates too little too late. And uh, then uh, eventually uh, Volcker came in in the late 1970s and just let it rip, let interest rates go up to levels that cause a recession. I mean, we do know that recessions always bring inflation down. Um, but uh, whether we can uh, achieve a soft landing is the big controversy here. I suspect that uh, we either do or we get a, a, a real short and uh, moderate recession. Uh, again, because I think the, the system is uh, relatively robust. Ed Giardini of Giardini Research. Ed, thank you. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on The Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg.